Welcome to The Human Condition with Lisa Gregory. Americans are spending over $30 billion a year on non-traditional medicine, yoga, meditation, acupuncture, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. During the past three decades, Vicki Engel has had a front row seat to this growing acceptance and use of what would have once been called alternative medicine, but is now referred to as integrated or complementary medicine. Vicki is the owner and co-founder of the Center for Healing Arts, which was established in 1987 and is located in Westminster, Maryland. She is also the author of the book, Creating Calm, Three Powerful Models for Navigating the Rough Seas of Midlife. I guess the first question, could you tell our listeners about the Center for Healing Arts, what it does, uh, what it offers, that sort of thing? The Center for Healing Arts was the idea of Jim Thomas, who is an acupuncturist. Uh, When he was uh, finishing uh, acupuncture school in the 80s, he was interested in putting together a collective of practitioners um, to... uh, create a holistic wellness center in Westminster. So at that time, he and I and uh, five others um, uh, rented a a Victorian house on Main Street um, built during the Civil War period. And um, the the house was um, transformed into a a health care or wellness center. so there are five treatment rooms and one shared waiting room that the therapists who practice there um, uh, use as they come in and out to seek their patients and clients. And what kind of services do you have uh, available? For all of the 34 years that we've um, been there at 112 East Main Street, the Center for Healing Arts, we've always had um, acupuncture, counseling and massage therapy slash body work. So depending upon the massage therapist, there's a wide range of skills and trainings that they take. And then over time, as different practitioners have rented space and been there for periods of time of their life, we've often had things, we've had some small yoga classes. Um, There are certainly for many years been meditation, um, individual and group meditation, Reiki, um, some nutritional counseling from time to time. We'll actually have a, a registered dietitian who's going to start practicing. Well, I think our listeners are probably familiar with um, massage, with yoga, with meditation. But you mentioned um, Reiki. Could you explain that to our listeners? Reiki is a uh, light touch on the body or slightly off the body energy work. Um the intention is to um, bring in um, through the practitioner uh, a sense of calm to the recipient who's lying on the table. Uh, Reiki, unlike massage, does not require the, the client or the recipient to be, be undressed. You can stay fully clothed. Um, you're just resting on a table. The practitioner then begins with setting a positive healing intent. And then there are energy centers starting at the top of the head that go down the body, but the hands are either lightly resting on the body or slightly off the body so that the energy in the palm of the practitioner then um, interfaces with the, the energy field and that energy center in the recipient. 
Um, so there's a protocol for moving down the body, and then there's one uh, while the person is lying face up. There's also one uh, that continues on the back as the person is lying face down. It's very deep work, and in many ways, it's, it, it feels deeper and more restful, even than massage. So it has a settling experience. I often will explain that to clients that uh, Reiki is like um, sitting next to a still pond. Um, the water gets very still. You can see into the bottom. Um, it's very quiet and still work. Massage, on the other hand, is like sitting next to a running brook where there's lots of movement and you can you can get a sense of what's below, but it's more movement oriented, um, and it's focused massage, of course, on tissue in a different way than um, Reiki is. Now, what sort of people would be drawn to Reiki as as uh, compared to massage? The clients that I see who who prefer Reiki sometimes have a, a, a more and this is the way I describe it a more refined or sensitive nervous system. Mm. So for some people, um, touch of massage is too much stimulation. Um, and, and there are times in, you know, even clients that I work with in their lives when they just want to be feel more still and they don't want more touch. So I have some clients who really prefer or feel like they can rest more deeply if there's, uh, a, if it's a Reiki session, um, rather than massage. So there there are different reasons why people use it, but it can be that they want uh, less stimulation, they want uh, more settling, they want more deepening, or it may have to do with their um, awareness of energy centers in the body. The chakra system is one that's well known that, that they would like more attention paid or care given to those energy centers. Well, I'm going to back up a little bit and ask you, you actually came to this profession following a firsthand experience, if I remember correctly. You want to talk a little bit about yes. that? Yes. You're a believer. Uh, I was, yeah. <laughs> my, my first career, I was a math teacher for Carroll County Public Schools. Um, and during that time, I received a gift certificate for a massage um, at a salon in Baltimore. Um, this was in the 80s. Um, I had never had one. Um, I went for a massage. Uh, the woman who uh, did the work at the salon was very good, and she guided, did a little guided imagery at the beginning. And I remember getting off of the table thinking, wow, I had gotten to that place in my life and had never experienced myself that calm, that relaxed, that at ease. And I wanted to know more about how she she helps me get there. Um, so it was, it was sort of a whole new awakening of, wow, um, this is, uh, this is a new me. Um, so I, I spent some time trying to find where do people, uh, look for, where do you train for massage? I'd never heard of massage therapy training. Um, and so several people referred me to, to call Jim Thomas, that he was in acupuncture school. And I called him and that's, that's, he, he, he got me started when, and shared with me the schools that he knew of in the area. Um, so it was a it was a surprise to find how wonderful it felt, but also how I felt as a human being. A lot of our our listeners may not be aware that you know Westminster is still to this day a relatively small town. And when you started this, 
what, 34 years ago, it was an even more smaller conservative town. Yeah. And yeah. could you talk about that leap, a little bit leap of faith? And, and you were probably the only shop doing this type of uh, offering these services in the neighborhood, I would think. Yes, that's correct. We, uh, in, in, in the, the, in 86 is when I started pursuing training and there was a school in, in Silver Spring, um, that off, that had been established for a number of years and, um, called the Potomac Massage Training Institute. Um, the Baltimore School of Massage was in Baltimore, but had just barely got started. Um, so I decided to go to the school in DC, um, as for Carroll County, there were no full-time massage therapists in Carroll County. There was one gentleman um, named Alan Abramson who who started at the center um, part-time. He was also working at Ruscombe Holistic Health um, uh, Center in Baltimore. Um, there had I had been told there was a, a woman who would come to one of the fitness centers and do some massage from time to time, but otherwise it just didn't exist. Um, you know, we were just kind of collectively as a, I think, uh, a nation even, um, co- coming out of this awareness that massage was maybe taboo, maybe massage was massage parlor. So it was a very foreign concept. Um, acupuncture was the same. There was a school in Laurel, actually in Columbia at the time, um, the traditional acupuncture institute. And... Um, um, Jim was the first acupuncturist to practice in Carroll County. He had graduated from that school. There were none in Carroll County. This was his hometown. So, you know, he, he introduced acupuncture, and several of us began massage therapy. And, but we were pioneers. We, you know, we were, it, it was, we were uh, certainly a novelty um, in those days. Well, how do people respond to you? And yet you built, they may have been hesitant, but you certainly built a clientele. I mean, 34 years later, here you are. We had the benefit of having good friends um, who were, and family who were willing to, to try the work that we were offering. And, and then we also did a lot of public speaking. Um, there were, were far more health fairs in those days. Um, so we, we did as much as we could to educate people. Um, uh, we would occasionally have an open house. Um, and then the, the, the best recommendations are always word of mouth. So, you know, um, folks who had come for massage or acupuncture or counseling, whatever kind of body work uh, we had ought to offer, they would share with their friends and family and refer, um, you know, the next client. Um, by and large, what we found was that people felt better, you know, whether regardless of what modality they were using. And, and that's what a bit at a time grew, grew our, our center. And yet here we are three decades later, and it's an explosion. I mean, 30 billion yes. a year in America on these types of um, services. And it's not covered by interest. They're paying. They want it badly enough that they're paying out of pocket. What's what's going on here? What? Why this sudden embracing uh, of this? Well, I think you know, you know, it, it, it does seem sudden, but I would say it's been um, a, a process over those at least the third those thirty four years hmm. of people hmm. becoming more aware. Um, certainly, there's been much um, press 
about massage and uh, and acupuncture and the use thereof. There's been research that's been done. Um, NIH in, I think it was 94, to 90, I think 1994, um, made the, opened the first um, complementary and alternative medicine um, center. Um, so, and that that was opened in the grant was um, I think it was originally a two million dollar grant that opened that office um, because there was a study done um, again I'm, I think it's just 1993 that Dave and Eisenberg and company did that found that people were paying more out of pocket for alternative and complementary services um, for healthcare reasons than they were paying out of pocket for the traditional Western medical services. And that got the attention of, of healthcare providers in general, say, whoa, what's happening here? I think over that time in the last years since then, because there's been more articles, more education, more people training, that we have kind of hit this critical mass that you can find massage and acupuncture most everywhere. Um, and people have used it. Uh, and found it helpful. So it's no longer an odd thing. Now it's more that it's unusual for me to have a client who, even if it's a new client to me, who has not had massage at some point in, in a variety of different places in their life, whether it's on a cruise or at a hair salon or at a wellness center or even physicians recommending that they might consider um uh, one of those kinds of modalities to take care of uh, a pattern of stress or anxiety or difficulty with sleeping. Um, so there's, there's just been a lot of inroads in a lot of different ways over over time. And that brings us to complementary medicine. And I would like mm-hmm. for you to explain what that is. And it's certainly growing by leaps and bounds. And I know I've spoken to a, a surgeon that made the statement that she didn't have all the tools in the toolbox. So she was referring her patients who were suffering horribly from chemotherapy to, um, you know, go and get a massage or meditation. And it's more, it's not the way I understood it. It's not healing uh, the problem per se, but it's helping manage and, and treat the symptoms. Would Is that correct? Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. So, you know, originally in the old days, we were called, you know, complementary and alternative or starting out alternative. It kind of posed that, that we were, you either did traditional Western medical um, protocols or you did these other unusual, perhaps more Eastern um, practices. Fortunately, that attitude has shifted so that now it's more of looking at how does one complement the other. So for someone who's going through chemotherapy, the side effects um, can be very difficult. And, you know, acupuncturists can treat, you know, some of those side effects so that you work in, in complementing each other. So if they're using a Western protocol, the, uh, the complementary medicines or practices can then deal with some of the peripheral and 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 touch in in many cases to some of the core themes that the body or the core patterns that the body is dealing with. So, 
some things may be equally as valuable to to use. So some folks will take meditations for anxiety, and, and at times that's very appropriate. It might be useful for them to, to also use meditation or, you know, get into a better exercise program or look at their diet. So those things are complementary. I think that where we're going in the, the longer run is something called integrative, where Western medical practitioners and physicians understand more fully the use of alternative complementary medicine and and uh, that you know all the from from our side of the equation if you will um, understand more how to be effective so that's what I've seen change over my time there is an integration that's possible that was not um, uh, common or thought of 34 years ago. It was one or the other, but now it's more of an integrated look. Do you think it's because people want it and it's working for them? I think that's certainly the case. And I think that because it has been useful, and it's not 100%, mm-hmm. but when it has been, those pre- those clients have gone back to their physicians and said, well, I tried this and this has been useful. Or perhaps uh, um, a physician has um, been willing to try acupuncture or massage and found the impact, or there's been some studies done, you know, that ha- they've read. So I think that there is an increased education at all levels, at from from the the uh, complementary practitioners' side of educating more, of knowing how to interface with Western medical models more, from the physician side as well as the general population of people using it uh, have, we, we've all learned a lot in the process. And it's a win-win for the patient. If somebody is new to this whole idea and uh-huh. they're interested in maybe pursuing it, and I know this is probably very unique to the issue that they have, but what is a sort of gentle way to to approach this i get a call every now and then with someone who asks exactly what you have just proposed well how do i begin mm-hmm. um and oftentimes what i will do is i'll listen to what are they trying to address and what are the other concerns that they would like to address um and i'm just speaking from my own point of view then to them to say if i were you this is what i've seen over the years this is where i would start or I could, or depending upon again what they're pr- proposing, I'd say, you know, why don't you start gently? You can always start with a massage, if it's, and um, come in for one and see if it's useful. See if it if it feels better, if it creates enough sense of relief. If I ha- hear a pattern that just feels like they really need medical attention, somebody should assess this before they do anything then I refer them to their physician. Also, when I had spoken to you before, you mentioned how all of it is so interconnected and interrelated, what you do there at the center, that you may start out, you come in with massage, but then they proceed to something else and it builds on mm-hmm. that. Could you talk a little bit about that? So oftentimes clients will come in, and my background is in education. I also have a master's degree in counseling and then you know, my, my training and licensing in massage therapy. 
So I'm listening for a broad picture and when someone comes to see me. But if if I'm listening to them and I'm hearing that they what they're struggling with may be better served by acupuncture, then um, then then I will suggest that they consider that and learn more about it or talk to an acupuncturist about it. Practitioners of complementary modalities often spend more time. They have more time to spend um, by the way they practice. Um, so if you see a physician, you might have 15 minutes or maybe a half hour session um, with them for them to hear um, what's going on. Um, complementary uh, services often will spend an hour, an hour and a half um, with someone. So we have more time. Um, we can listen to more. And I think that while we are uh, a very productive culture, what we've kind of lost is that time and attention to ourselves. Um, and then m- many times it, the, the intention is to look at how is the whole person functioning? You know, so how do I support, you know, not just the physical body, but emotional life and look what where is the source of this so we're looking for um, how to help the person feel better but also is there what's the root of this is there a way that we can go beyond just treating a symptom Um, and I think that that's what people are really looking for we're not as invested in our health and well-being as maybe we should be and Non-traditional medicine is sort of allowing us to to reclaim that. Would would you agree with that? I would agree with it. I think that that's that's one of the gifts of uh, non-traditional or complementary medicine, alternative medicine. It, it really does invite responsibility on the the part of the person to to be invested, so that it's just not take a pill and fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there there are wide-ranging side effects. You only have to listen to any advertisement in the evening for, for medications for the, the, the things that you can ask your doctor for. And, and that's one way, but it's not the only way. There is a whole premise, I think, from a holistic perspective, is that when the, the body is being treated well and when it has what it needs, and then when it's cared for, it, it does not go into dis-ease or dysfunction. I'm not saying that we can, cre- we can we create all of our illnesses, but we do contribute to it. I think that's a part of what um, the complementary holistic movement has offered. Well, you know, the CDC um, says that 25% of Americans... Um, say that they have two or more chronic conditions. We live in a time where we have the, the you know, we are living in a more toxic environment than ever before True. in terms of what we have created with pollution and exhaust and plastics and, and you know, the, the, the potential for shift um, is uh, great, but the, the attraction for the things that um, create dis-ease in our body are also great. Um, so foods have been, you know, commercially packaged to 
become addictive. I mean, that's that's not something I'm making up. You can find that mm-hmm. anywhere in the food industry. Mm-hmm. So when when that's the case, it it, it it becomes more difficult for all of us to make better choices. It, um, eating an apple, far better than eating apple pie. I mean, we all love apple pie, but the, that has a different ingredient than an apple as a whole fruit. Um, so those kinds of choices, I think, are what, you know, function. And also, what is it that we really want? What are we trying to satisfy here? If I'm, if I'm trying to satisfy my desire to feel good about myself, or if I'm trying to satisfy a feeling that I, I, I didn't get appreciated today at the office, or I'm tired but I don't have permission in myself to rest, whatever that might be, we, we oftentimes are choosing things that are not good for us, and we know that because we're trying to sedate something else. So that, you know, leads to a little bit more digging and a little bit more awareness. Um, I used to find myself standing in front of the shelf that had all the chocolate on when I really, I was tired and I felt like I just needed a break, but I was not going to give myself a break because the work had to get done first. So I would go to the chocolate. Mm -hmm. Um, Took me a long time to like step away and just, Give myself permission to lay down for ten minutes, and and feel better, feel much better than when I ate, the, you know, the sugar. Um, it does take a commitment, and it, it doesn't happen fast. Usually, this kind of change takes over time, and it also takes some kind of support of, you know, usually an outside practitioner, whether that's a a dietitian or a wellness coach or an acupuncturist, massage or a physician, somebody who's looking at the whole picture. Usually it helps it, it helps to have someone else help us be accountable. Someone else who's listening. Well, my last question, what has been the greatest benefit? Why do you why are you fulfilled by it? That's an excellent question. Um I, I would say that what I know about myself is that I am primarily an educator. I'm a teacher, and I may show up in the role of counselor. I may show up in the role of massage therapist, but I'm really most deeply satisfied when I can help someone learn more about who they are, about what makes their life feel better. And so it's the way I have been able to contribute to others. Um, and the work that I've done for the last 34 years has been a very direct way of helping people recognize what their choices are to help them feel better. Whether they choose them or not, or, or that's up to them. But I find a great deal of satisfaction offering them a way that perhaps they didn't recognize before so that they can feel better about themselves. They can live better. They can make a better family life for themselves. They, and, and therefore for the community and for all of us. So it's like dropping that one little pebble in the pond and, and, and as they change, it ripples out. I've had many clients come back and tell me, I hear your voice all the time telling me, be good to myself, or whatever the, the, the learning was that they had. 
that they still hear that years later and it continues to be valuable. That's what keeps me going. I would like to thank my guests for joining me today on The Human Condition with Lisa Gregory and thank you, the listener, for joining us today. If you would like to know more about the show, please visit my website at thehumanconditionpodcast.com.